0: Hello and welcome back to this week's ACE Oncocast entitled Evidence-Based Clinical Practice, Timing of Immunotherapy in Urothelial Cancer, When and How. My name is Rob Coleman and joining me again today are Dr. Tom Poles from St. Bart's Cancer Centre in London and Dr. Joachim Belmont from Beth Israel Medical Centre and Harvard Medical School in Boston, United States. Welcome to both of you. In this second ACE Oncocast, our clinical experts will be discussing the latest evidence on neoadjuvant and adjuvant therapy for patients with advanced urethelial cancer. I'd like to get your thoughts on systemic treatment options earlier in the course of the disease and start with patients who've had radical local regional treatment for muscle invasive bladder cancer but remain at high risk of recurrence. Joachim, what's the role of adjuvant treatment and are we able to select patients most likely to benefit from an, an adjuvant immune checkpoint inhibitor?
1: Yes, just the, the first, just to remind that the still the standard of care is a new adjuvant uh, chemotherapy with platinum base, if possible. But then obviously, there is uh, this population of patients that receive new adjuvant therapy uh, uh, and they still have a, a active disease after surgery. And that meaning that there might be something uh, to be given to these patients in in this adjuvant uh, situation or patients that are not receiving uh, new adjuvant chemotherapy. And then they they go through surgery because they don't have good renal function for receiving new adjuvant. And these patients still, you see that there are lymph node positivity or uh, extra bladder extension. These patients are the ones uh, that can be like nowadays treated with uh, adjuvant immunotherapy. And uh, we know that uh, we have the the results of these uh, Randomized trial uh, that is the Checkmate 274, where patients were randomized to receive in this situation of a, a disease, high risk disease after surgery, if, whatever, if they would have received new adjuvant or, or not, uh, to receive new adjuvant or placebo. And this trial was based on, on 700 uh, patients that uh, were accrued. And uh, this trial that was published, recently published in the New England Journal, did show a progression free survival benefit in these patients receiving. Knee uh, volume up adjuvant. And also, again, here the PDL1 testing was checked, and we can see the hazard, so the hazard ratio is 0. 0.55. So there is a substantial benefit on, on PFS. Still, we need to wait for the overall survival. Uh, we'll see if this is a benefit of giving a uh, knee volume up in this adjuvant setting. And this is uh, like this this benefit in PFS, uh, trans- oh, this, uh, sorry, this benefit in disease free survival translate. On, our, on overall survival. So nowadays this is FDA approved and uh, we are using nivolumab in this adjuvant space.
0: And Tom, do you think adjuvant nivolumab is now the standard of care for high risk muscle invasive
2: disease? I think it's a complex issue. I think ultimately people want to see overall survival. I think there's been a trial which Joachim led, which was the invigoro 10 trial, which compared a atezolizumab to best supportive care and that did not show an overall survival or progression-free survival benefit. I think with these inconsistencies across different drugs, and as yet not seeing any survival signal from the nivolumab trial, I think it would be premature to say that will definitely hit survival. And therefore, while I can see it's attractive for patients. I think we also need to be cautious because in the adjuvant setting, Inevitably, will be overtreating at least half the patients who are not going to be, not going to relapse, and many of those patients will come to harm's way. We know ten percent of patients develop adverse events, significant adverse events associated with immune checkpoint inhibitors. Some of them life changing: pneumonitis, insulin acquiring diabetic diabetes, um, um, neurology side effects. I guess the last piece to that jigsaw is that, are there different ways of selecting patients? Joachim has talked about pdl one expression. There's also data on circulating tumor DNA, which is positive in about 40% of patients using a personalized based approach. And those patients appear to do better with immune therapy than placebo. I hope we move into a personalized adjuvant approach in the future. I don't think the one size fits all approach in the adjuvant setting will in the end be the right approach because we know many patients are cured with surgery alone. I would like to see a survival signal before we encourage widespread use of nivolumab, especially within the context of no survival with other immune checkpoint inhibitors in an almost identical space.
0: Thank you. So let's now consider new adjuvant treatment and the efficacy of immune checkpoint inhibitors and immune checkpoint inhibitor chemo combinations. Tom, where are we with the use of neoadjuvant checkpoint inhibitors? And is it premature to incorporate into routine patient care?
2: Well, it is premature to incorporate them into routine care, but I can tell you it's a ex- super exciting area. There are probably now 10 neoadjuvant trials which have read out. They're all phase two trials, and they're looking at immune checkpoint inhibitor monotherapy, immune checkpoint inhibitor dual therapy, CTA4, one and chemotherapy, plus immune checkpoint inhibitor therapy. PATH-CR has been the primary endpoint of almost all of these trials, and they've all shown PATH-CR rates of somewhere between 35 and 55%. Remember, chemotherapy sits at about 40%, and chemotherapy is currently the standard of care for cisplatin-eligible patients. These data, to me, look equally good, if not better. And remember, there's probably more long-term durable benefit associated with immune checkpoint inhibitors than chemotherapy. And therefore, it's possible, or dare I say it, probable, that the neoadjuvant trials will come home and change the way we think about the disease. I'm very excited about this space. They're randomized phase three trials, which I can talk about. Um, Niagara is a study chemotherapy plus immune checkpoint inhibitors, Volga, um, that's duvalimab. Um, Volga is a trial where infortimab abdotin, duvalimab, tremulimimab, there's EV plus Pembro, there's single agent Pembro trials. Um, there are nivolumab studies with different agents also. It's a very exciting area, and I think it's at least as exciting as the adjuvant space.
0: Thank you. And Joachim, anything you'd like to add on new adjuvant approaches?
1: Uh, no, as, as Tom has mentioned, so this is so exciting, um, the, the, the rate of pathologic complete responses seen. Um, obviously, the concerns when combining uh, chemotherapy and immunotherapy is the duration of response. In, in the first-line trials, we have seen that the responding patients' the duration of response is limited. So we need to wait for the randomized trials uh, comparing chemotherapy alone or chemoimmunotherapy maybe there is a, a there is a, a niche for patients who are unfit for platinum we know that neoadjuvant chemotherapy is uh, is uh, with platinum based is the the standard of care in patients with a good renal function that can receive platinum but what to do in patients who are unfit for platinum and these uh, these patients have been included in these trials where immunotherapy alone is producing these uh, 42 30% of uh, of responses like uh, uh, in the pure trial with Membro, Avacus, with the Tesolizumab. So, there, may, may, there might be also a niche of opportunity for treating these patients who are not eligible to receive new adjuvant platinum based therapy. We need
0: to wait for the randomized phase three trials. Thank you, Tom and Joachim, for this great discussion. Stay tuned for the last episode in this series as we discuss second line treatment strategies for patients with advanced urothelial cancer. <laughs>